Welcome back in another Garage Talk podcast with Jason Allen, my guest Noah Strohmeyer. We just started with a fresh <laughs> beverage and I can't even spit it out. And uh, it's the first time I remembered to use the cups during the podcast. No, the cups are great. The specialty Garage Talk uh, solo cups. I've got a bag for you here to take some with oh, you no when kidding. you leave. Bonus. And, uh, anyway, Deputy Strohmeyer, Jackson County sheriff's office did i get that correct yes i know i always want to say department but it's the office. sheriff's office definitely an office and uh you were over here it's been almost a year and uh i guess officially the first guest unofficially the second because i had michael in here but i didn't really count that and right. we didn't we didn't air his episode until later but i wanted to have you back over because well there's been a lot that's happened in your world and everyone's world since you were here last time absolutely things have really kind of got upside down for a while yeah, and I'm sure it's been challenging out there with uh, just the sheer magnitude of the situation with COVID-19 happening and and at the beginning for a lot of people not really knowing what's going on. And obviously it's a serious situation, but Absolutely. there's been a lot that's even changed with that since it really yeah, hit. Yeah, there's been a whole evolution within the COVID-19 response, basically, in the transit community and the homeless population in Jackson County. And... Um, <laughs> Okay, bud, if you're going to move blocks, you <laughs> you can just move blocks, and we're doing a podcast. I've got my helper. That is, He's a good worker. He, there's some blocks that were left over from the gently used Winnebago <laughs> that we used to level it, and he wants to move them around to the chicken coop, so... He's, he's getting some work done. Yeah, he's got the dolly and he's going for it, so if, uh, <laughs> if you're listening right now and you hear someone in the background, that's what it is, but... Um, for people who didn't listen to your last podcast, uh, we were talking about your new job at the time. Uh, yeah. it, it was very new at that point, wasn't it? I you think I had probably just started in this new position. So basically, the sheriff's office, um, the county roads department, and parks department, which is uh, parks falls under roads with Jackson County, um, came together and basically they're funding a position with the, a, a sheriff's office position for a deputy. I was lucky enough to get that spot. And part of that is the Greenway. So the county portions of the Greenway fall under the Parks Department. So that makes sense. So uh, basically to help manage and bring together the Sheriff's Office with these other organizations to more effectively manage the, the Greenway issues and um, kind of try to take a different approach than we have done in the past, I guess. Medford Police has their livability team. Uh, and they are doing great work, and this was kind of our our attempt at that sort of thing as well. Mm -hmm. And you know, we were moving along pretty well, making some progress, and then COVID hit, and everything changes. You know, it, we went from saying you can't camp on the Greenway because it's unlawful to basically shelter in place. Please stay on the Greenway. You know, we didn't want to have COVID get into the homeless population because. They would certainly be an at-risk population, basically. Their ability, well, in their camps, too, for hygiene and all these things are, are different, you know, than we would have. And we also, the kind of nature of things, a lot of the homeless folks down there would get up in the morning and they're all over town to get the things they need to survive for the day. And so we kind of wanted to minimize that as well, because that's just going to be one more avenue, one more way for that, for the virus to spread if it were to get into that community, basically. So... It was a it was a absolute 180 degree turn from hey you can't camp here let's find you a better place to be to oh my god please stay here don't go anywhere and so what an interesting situation yeah it was it was a huge challenge 
Um, the sheriff called me in one day and says, you know, basically everything stops. We are going from enforcement and basically to a, the protect and serve part of the job and not the enforcement part of the job, at least for now. And so that's what we did. We, we changed direction. And how was it going before? You said that things were starting to progress. Were you guys making an impact and being able to get some places cleaned up or was it? Yeah. And, you know, I really wanted to change things up a little bit. Uh, in the past, it had been just a matter of almost displacing them because there was no or limited resources, I should say. So it was hard to go into these camps and say, you can't be here anymore. You can't camp here. And they'd say, okay, and we, you know, there's some legal steps to jump through, you know, they have to post the camp for 24 hours and all that. And then we, we would come back in and they would leave and we would throw all the stuff away, the, all the garbage and stuff that's left behind. And um, then we'd move on. And we had the resource to, to do that about once a month. And so once a month we would use work crews from the, work, the community justice work center. Mm-hmm. I always call them inmate crews, but they're not. Um, and so once a month we'd go in there and clean out a bunch of camps and, I'd start working with the areas, the, the transients living in other areas, say, hey, next month we're going to come to your camp. So where can we get you? Where can we help you get to a better place? Or, or what do you need? And then the next month we take this tiny little section. And, you know, we take out like 10 yards of garbage, sometimes more. Mm-hmm. And um, that was just a never-ending process. You know, once a month is not enough. And the limited resources that we had available to us at the time to try to actually help these people was not enough. And so from my perspective, from my, you know, kind of limited view, um, the silver lining of COVID was now there's a ton of resources, like tons of resources, including the urban camping spot that, that, you know, the county and the city came together and put up. So you legitimately say, hey, now you actually have a place to go because they would always tell me, like, where do you want me to go? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't have a good answer for that. I'm sorry, I don't. But you can't be here. Well, now we do have a good answer. We say rogue retreats the organization that is managing the campground and they have a whole transitional housing process and this is like step one of that process you can go to the camp and you get plugged in with every resource that there is available and there's a lot now and so and that's because of covid is there funds coming from somewhere or there there is some funding coming from from around um and a lot of it has to do with just these resources were finally consolidated and brought together you know, the uh, Metro Police and the Sheriff's Office, we've always worked together, but certainly Chief Clawson and Sheriff Sickler um, in the last six months or however long it's been since COVID kind of hit, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, they're working together amazingly well. And so that makes my life really easy, you know, from that, because I can go to the livability team and work with them. Um, they've put together what we're calling the special services team within the sheriff's office. So it's a, a group of us that basically are tasked with the, this sort of thing, like problem solving, problem oriented policing and the greenway. And so instead of just me on the greenway trying to do my best, mm-hmm. I got a guy, a group of, you know, about four guys and my sergeant that we all go down there together and we can all kind of put our heads together. There's, you know, I, I'm the, I have about 14 years on and I'm the junior guy on the team. So we get a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge, a lot of guys that want to really make a positive impact and not just say, well, you're camping. Here's your, here's your ticket for camping. Get out of here. You know what I mean? We're, mm-hmm. we're really trying to actually help these people. And in doing that, also going to be helping the community because honestly, the community doesn't want the Bear Creek Greenwood to be covered in homeless camps. 
And I think that's pretty fair. Um, there's also a significant concern this time of year for fire danger. You know, the, the fire potential, as we saw what, two summers ago on the mm-hmm. Greenway, is, is, is pretty scary. So we're addressing that as well. So what have you seen from the community, the homeless community? Are they, are they happy to have a spot like that? Because I know that there was, uh, from the public's perspective, it seemed like there was a lot of people concerned about it when it was announced that this could potentially happen, and then obviously it has, and, and it's there off of Biddle Road in Medford for people right. listening, maybe out of town and don't know. We're talking about an area that was set up in order to basically house or, or give space for camping um, that's a, a safe place to go. And, um, I'm curious what the response from the homeless community was like, what were they, do you think? Cause I know that some of them want to be left alone, mm-hmm. obviously, as most people probably do, but was there a pretty good response? I mean, how long did it take to get some folks to move in there? Was it right away or? So it, it's interesting because the, the homeless folks that were living on the greenway in the city of Medford seemed to be a bit more receptive to it in the beginning. And, you know, we're, my team, we go all the way from Dean Creek Road up to Blackwell, which is the very north end of the Greenway, all the way to Ashland. Wow. And obviously there is chunks of city footprint within there, and we work with the city PDs as much as we can, and, and, and they're great to work with. Um, but we have people that are on purpose, on their, you know, by their own choice, they're putting their camp up in the Greenway as remote as you can get. There's areas south of U.S. cellular uh, f- fields there, and on the I-5 side, that are you know not easy to get to and they aren't there because they want to or they weren't there initially because they wanted to be able to have access to the resources in the city of metro that's kind of a you know the, the hub of you know st vincent de paul and all these places these folks weren't going and accessing those resources they knew about them mm-hmm. but they weren't going there they wanted to be remote they wanted to be left alone and that's fine but it's still with COVID, with fire danger, and just with the legal aspects of it, we can't have camping on the Greenway. And so they took a little while to warm up to it. You know, they were, we would go talk to them. We'd meet them. We're down there four and five days a week, talking to as many of them as we can, building relationship, building, building rapport with them, and trying to gain their trust a little bit. And that's a, that's a huge aspect of it. And uh, once the camp had been open about a week, all of a sudden, there was, you know, word of mouth was positive in, in that community and people weren't getting assaulted in the camp. People weren't getting their stuff stolen in the camp. That's a huge issue is, you know, p- people don't want to leave their camp to go anywhere because stuff gets stolen. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have their phone anymore. They don't have their ID anymore, food and everything else gone. And so they realized they, they were hearing good things that it's been a positive thing. And Rogue Retreat's doing an amazing job moving them from the camp to the Kelly shelter, which is the next kind of step up in the transitional housing. Or if there's a unique need, kind of plugging them in wherever they need to be. And um, so that positive word of mouth got out, and now they seem to be much more receptive to it and much more willing to say, okay, okay, sign me up, I'll go, which is really cool to see. Mm-hmm. You know what the numbers look like? How many people are there on, the, on average? So there's, there's right now there's space for 25 tents. Mm-hmm. And if it's a couple or something like that, you could be more than one person in a tent. And so I don't know the, 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 what the number is currently, but at any given time, we'll check in every morning with uh, the guys running it and they'll say, you know, we got two spots. Okay. So we'll go, go it's find the people. Is, oh, absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. And you know, they're, they're, the, the rogue retreat folks are amazing. The, the, what they're doing and their dedication to this community, the, to Jackson County, you know, but also the homeless community, <clears throat> is is 
really amazing in the stuff they're able to pull off. I mean, you have everything from mental health issues to drug addiction, and um, they are able to, to manage all of that and help these people out. And they are incredibly patient. You know, for, for us, it's easy for me to say, well, listen, I tried, I tried, this guy doesn't want help, and I'm going to move on. They'll be the ones that say, no, 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 go try again. Mm-hmm. Go talk to him again. I'm like, no, it's, it's, I, I don't have that much time in the day. Just go try one more time. Okay. So we'll go down there, try again. And, and all of a sudden, okay, fine. I'll go. I'll try. And it, so the Rogue Retreat's just a phenomenal organization. Um, Are they volunteers? There, there's some paid staff. I'm not sure the numbers on that, how many are paid and how many are volunteers, but mm-hmm. um, there's definitely some paid staff there that, that are managing that. There's someone there 24 seven. So if anyone needs something throughout the night, any issues arise, they're there. And it's not managed by the police, either, either us or Metro Police. You know, we work very closely with them, obviously. But there's not cops, you know, walking up and down the rows of tents and all that stuff. It's not needed. Mm-hmm. And that's been the really cool thing to see. And honestly, it was something I was a little apprehensive about. Like, you know, we're going to put 25 tents in this area, relatively small space. And um, try and keep them separated. Separated, right? Because yeah. you don't want them mingling exactly. a whole lot. Exactly. And so the, they're spaced out. They work with the health department to make sure everything's spaced out properly. And um, I was just thinking, man, there's going to there's gonna be fights. There's gonna, I, mean, I had the same apprehension as the transit, the homeless population did. Like, this is, this is not going to go well. Yeah, you're just going to put all of us together yeah, in and, a cage, and, basically. And they were, they were very honest, saying, you know, I'm out here in the middle of nowhere, relatively, right? Because I want to be. You put us all together, it's going to be a disaster. And it hasn't been. And, it's, and I chalk that up mainly to Rogue Retreat doing a phenomenal job. When you look at the population, the homeless population, what are you seeing as far as demographics? And I mean, we know that there's people that have drug abuse issues, mm-hmm. right? That we know that a decent majority of people out there have fallen on hard times. Hard times often leads to substance abuse of some kind. And I'm just curious with COVID especially, what the demographics look like now. Have you seen a shift in that from what you would normally see to even more people being out there? So when COVID hit, um, the county and the city came together and again, in an effort to keep people in place, they, we basically put together a daily food drop or whatever you want to call it. That would stop or start at the beginning of the, the North end and go all the way to Ashton every day. And it was sack lunches. And, um, so when that happened, the number of people on the Greenway, I, I think it's safe to say, kind of grew a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of those folks weren't necessarily camping. They needed a sack lunch, and so they oh, show up. wow. And there was no judgment there. You know, it was not like, well, is this meant for you or not? Now, if you're there, you need a sack lunch, here's a sack lunch. I mean, if you put in the effort to go down to the Greenway to get a lunch, right. then... If you're willing to go stand in Hawthorne Park yeah. and wait for our little food convoy to come through, then then you know what here's your sack lunch we're not here to say you know this isn't meant for you no that's that's silly um and so access uh people from access actually handed the food out um the parks department and the eoc in general emergency operations center that the county stood up in general found a ton of funding Uh, a lot of the municipalities dumped money into it um a lot of the, the charitable organizations dumped money into it and basically the the jail kitchen basically commercial kitchen uh, would make the lunches every night and then access would go to the jail, pick them up every morning. And then 11 AM at the North end of the greenway, start handing them out and all the way to Ashland. 
And then if there was excess, they'd run to Apple Park and everywhere that's not Greenway and, mm -hmm. and hand them out because just food safety rules, they can't go back into the refrigerators at the jail for the next day. Yeah, you might as well hand them out. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, I th so that I think the number of people in the Greenway swelled a little bit with that, but the number of campers, not necessarily. Um, we have, what's well, different now in that the camp's open and we've been getting people into the camp, but prior to the camp opening, in the county portions of the Greenway, we had between 65 and 80 camps. And some camps had one person in them. Some camps had, you know, there's, there's one that I can think of that's a husband, wife, and two sons. The sons being in their early 20s. There's four people in this camp. So 65 and 80 camps, somewhere in that range, outside of the city of Medford and, and the other municipalities. And so give or take, maybe double that roughly mm -hmm. as far as actual population goes. Wow. Is that your question? I'm sorry, I got off track. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Preston, what are you doing? Making noise with your Jeep? <laughs> My four-year-old is uh, playing in the driveway, for those of you listening. And uh, he doesn't he really wants to be involved in every podcast. So Absolutely. He just hangs around as much as he can. He's so. like the mascot now. <laughs> he really is, too. <laughs> um, there's something else I was going to ask you about that. Oh, I know what it was. So as far as... These people who end up in the um, camp, you know, mm -hmm. the new shelter area, what are you seeing as far as the success? I know it's still early, so right. it's hard to tell, but being able to get some of these people, some of those other resources, have you seen some success stories yet where, you know, people are getting back on track? Because I think that's what everyone wants to see, right? Oh, these people to be able to get back up on their feet, somehow find a way to get out of a camp and off the greenway, and obviously some people never want to change. Some people, that's just their lifestyle. But I would guess that more than than people assume or think probably want a way out, and maybe they either have the addiction issues or whatever it is, or they just don't have the resources or don't think they're available. I don't know. I'm kind of um, speculating, but it's, 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 it would be nice to see those people be able to make that connection and, and get back on track somehow. Absolutely, and we've seen a lot of su success stories already in the camp. Um, I think what you need to keep in mind is it's, it's not a quick thing. If it's an addiction issue, it's not like, okay, I'm clean now and, and everything's good. Like, no, the, getting sober, whether it's alcohol or drug addiction, whatever it is, is a long process. It's a lifelong mm -hmm. process. And it's likely to include, unfortunately, relapse and, and kind of having issues and getting yourself back up and doing it again. Um, and so to say hey, you've been in this approved camp for a week and now you're sober and you're good to go, it is just not that simple. Mm -hmm. We also have some people that, there's one lady I've been trying to get to the camp since it opened, and she's a wonderful gal, and she um, has some significant medical problems. She barely gets around, and she's living in this camp on the Greenway. And she's wanting help, but it seems as though, if I had to guess, and she's kind of told me this, in a, in a roundabout way she's been down there for nine years living on the greenway she's in her 50s and she can't imagine what life looks like not living on the greenway whether it's you know it's a bit of complacency mm -hmm. you know she runs her own world completely or it's she has lost track of what it looks like to potentially live in a home and not be outdoors 24 7 and all of that stuff mm -hmm. and so it's uh, 
to say it's this. <laughs> okay, bud, thanks. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> to say, you know, it's success stories, um, th- there's certainly been successes coming from the camp. Absolutely. They've been able to kind of graduate people from this camp to the Kelly shelter, which I said, like I said, is like the first step in the rogue retreat process. And then going to the, you know, all the way up through there to actually being in housing, you know, there's several steps and it can be kind of tailor fit to the individual. So successes in the urban camping has been getting people through there to the Kelly shelter, getting people plugged in with family that can take them in. So they're not on the greenway getting people plugged in with AANA or whatever other sort of getting sober program that they want to do. Um, there's definitely been successes, but it's, it's a small bite, you know, it's a small piece of the pie in a very large, long drawn out process basically. Well, and hopefully with the situation, the situation has allowed to do some of these things. Like you talked about, there's more resources and things of that nature. So hopefully that, that this will lead to maybe a better way. Or you, you already said that they're the, the Medford police and the county is communicating better. Well, and, and I wouldn't say I don't. I didn't mean to say we were not communicating well before. No, no, no I'm saying that, be, better than before. Yeah, absolutely. Like there's been improvements made, right? Absolutely. Between all it, these it, different it, organizations, in order to make this happen, which exactly. ultimately should lead to more success stories. Absolutely. You would hope. I mean, absolutely. that's the goal. And so um, I'm sure for the public, it can be frustrating. Because, you know, we put in this camp and we're saying it's doing really great and there's still transients living on the Greenway. Okay, well, yes, there is. But um, at an individual level to say we've got, I wish I would have the numbers for you, but to say we've got, you know, 20 people or 10 people or whatever from the approved camp into better positions is a huge win. Mm -hmm. The fact of the matter is we started off with hundreds of people living on the Greenway. You know, then the city of Medford had a huge population and then obviously the county has a huge population. So it's, it's going to take a while and it's going to be a long drawn out process that we all have to stay dedicated to. And, you know, COVID say dries up and goes away. For example, we still have to stay dedicated to this. There's still people in need on the greenway. There's still the fire safety aspects of the greenway. There's still other criminal behavior and, 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 kind of focused in the, on the greenway that's affecting businesses and citizens living around the greenway theft and things like that. So we have to stay dedicated to dedicated to it regardless of the status of COVID. Mm-hmm. And obviously the community's frustrated and has Absolutely. been for a while about what and happens on the greenway, but you can't just run everyone out and expect it to get better because the minute you leave, as you mentioned before, they're going to come right back. Maybe not exactly. that camp, maybe a new camp or maybe that same. I mean, I know you've seen situations where they're back in the same spot Oh yeah, and and filling it back up with stuff in no time. So it's Absolutely. just it's not as simple as just running everyone out of there. Well, and from a legal standpoint, even there's uh, I think Grants Pass, the city of Grants Pass, just lost a lawsuit. Boise lost one not long ago in the last few months in the same way, saying like you can't criminalize homelessness. You can't do that. You can't say, hey, I'm taking you to jail or I'm penalizing you for being here. Specifically, you can say, now let me make sure I get this right. If, if they have no place to go and you provide no option, then you can't do that. So this is another thing this camp did was allowed us to properly bring enforcement back. Now that we have a plan for COVID, we have a place for them to go. So we can say, listen, you don't have to go to the camp. We can't force you to do that. But now that there's a camp and there's all these resources consolidated here for you, you, you can't be here anymore. Mm, and point. so it's not about dropping the hammer on them. It's not like being punitive, any of that stuff. But legitimately, there's... COVID concerns, fire concerns are huge. 
Um, we partnered with ODF and all the local fire departments, and we put some uh, fire lines in the Greenway, a couple locations, kind of strategic spots. What a great spots. idea. Yeah, and so access has become much better if there is a fire. And then if there is a fire, hopefully these are points that they will stop, you know, potentially mm -hmm. be able to Keep stop Keep it them. contained. Yeah, exactly. And so things like that have been huge wins. Um, and the fire safety aspect, especially, like I said, after a couple of years ago, is pretty scary. You know? And that's what it's going to take. It's going to take all these different organizations coming together. Right. And as much as people don't like to see what, what happens on the Greenway, right. there's no simple solution. And, and really, for people who have an open mind and will really stop and look at the entire situation, mm -hmm. it's so much more complicated than just, oh, we have these... You know, some people say we have these degenerates living down there and uh, making a mess. Okay, part of that's true. Yeah, you know, it's safe yeah. to say. Sure, uh, that's an accurate statement. But also, how do we work our way out of the situation? Nobody wants to see that. But then to get out of it is is like you said, it's a very long process. And for some of those people, they're going to be fighting those demons forever. Absolutely. And so to just try and figure out how to work through that, and we're seeing it in cities all across the country. Right. And the Greenway isn't anything close to what they're seeing in major cities all over the United States. And oh, there's yeah. there's people out there that just can't afford to live or they fall in hard times. And again, back to my point earlier of when you're having a hard time, you're more likely to utilize some kind of substance and right. then it all goes downhill from there. Absolutely. And then end up in this situation. After a short time after I was here last time, it was uh, October of last year. I went on a field trip with my daughter um, and her class with crater. We went down to San Francisco and, and did a bunch of the sightseeing sort of things, San Francisco and Oakland. And I was amazed down there. Like it is, it's terrifying. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Crazy. I think. And, you know, I don't know what they're doing down there. I'm not trying to knock them, but I'm really proud of what we're doing here now to say we're truly doing the best we can. We have, I think, a real good balance between enforcement and help right now. And I hope we keep working on that and keep improving that. And um, all of the organizations, like I said, us and Metro Police and all the every other aspect that we can think of, we're working together as best as possible now. And so it's going to be a long process, but I really hope in the near future we start making enough of an impact that the public can start saying, say, oh, it has got a little bit better, mm -hmm. even just a little bit at a time. Um, and I think that's going to be a good goal here in the next few months. The public can start seeing a positive impact where we know what's happening is we're talking to them every single day. Mm -hmm. um, so I hope the public can start seeing that soon, too. Well, and part of that <clears> is <throat> communicating right, with the public. Absolutely. And so they understand what's actually happening. Yeah. Because just for me, from my standpoint, I work right down the road in mm -hmm. Medford from where the new camp is. And of course, when it hits the news, we're putting a new camp in. And you're like, oh, man. Off Middle Road. I'm like, thanks, well, guys. Crater Lake Ford feels about that. <laughs> yeah. One, you know, and we're yeah. right down the street. But then the more you learn about it, the more you understand, like anything, like yeah. any topic these days, the more you just listen and learn, the better uh, position you're going to be, you know, to be right. informed about what's going on. And, and uh, maybe even be part of the solution. Absolutely, and there's there's plenty of ways to help. Even if you're not, you don't have a ton of money to throw at it and that sort of thing. There's plenty of ways to get involved, whether it's time or donations or, or what, whatever you might be able to do. Um, and yeah, I don't blame anyone for being nervous about the camp. You know, I know the, the Cascade Christians just down the road, triple, oh, yeah. triple ARV is right there, Great Lake Forge right there. And they've all had their own issues because they've had fires right there. Yeah, absolutely. And so they've, you know, Maybe in one sense they feel better because there is that contained. Right. And maybe there isn't as much of a threat around there. I don't know what is or what isn't behind there these days. Well, and, and, and 
it was a, kind of a big ask on our part to say, hey, can you just trust us on this? And we're going to do our best to make it work. I think it's working really well so far. And I'm hoping that it can continue. Um, and I hope that that success also puts their minds at ease at the businesses and the school and everything to say, okay, you know, it hasn't got worse since this camp moved in. I hope that's the case. And um, time will tell. So if you were to back up mm-hmm. about a year to when you decided to take this new position. No idea. It, nothing like you would have imagined, especially with the COVID. Is that safe to say? Is oh, absolutely. Like, like you have probably an idea going into it, what it's going to be like. And then now you've had almost a year to I, reflect on. I uh, No, no, I would have had no idea. I mean, whether it's COVID stuff or anything else. Um, but I'd say it's better than I would have expected it to be. If you would have told me ahead of time, hey, this is what's going to happen. This <laughs> pandemic's going to hit. You're going to start down a path doing X. Yeah. And then we're going to dump you upside down on your head and tell you right. to go in a different direction. Right. But um, I hope I still would have done it because right now is it's better than I thought it could ever be. Because, yeah, I'm put in a position where I'm not doing standard police work. I love standard police work. Don't get me wrong. But it's very outside the box sort of stuff as much as I hate that term. But it's a lot of problem solving. It's a lot of like, hey, how can how can we make this work? What do you need? Well, I, I can get a job on the docks in Brookings. Really? Yeah. Let's go buy a, a, a Greyhound ticket. You know, let's call and make sure you have someone in Brookings to take you. Mm-hmm. So you don't wind up you homeless just in Brookings. Yeah, you don't want to pass off the problem right. on someone else. And so we spend a week or so and kind of doing our, our research on that. And like, yeah, this dude's safe in Brookings. Let's put him in Brookings. How can we best do that? Greyhound or patrol car? I mean, what? No kidding. Just let's problem solve. Let's let's think out again. There's the term, right? Think outside but the box. Isn't that what we should be doing? It, though? No, I mean, absolutely. I, I, know, I think it's. I don't just, know another way to describe it. We should yeah. come up with another way to describe outside the box because, because it's it's, it's, it's such overused, a cop out for some of it. You but know? It, it's a great way to get the point across. Yeah, to get people to understand. So right. I'll, we'll think on that. I'll think. We'll on come it up with a new yeah. term. Yeah, and we'll be yeah masterminds the new term. Um, but so yeah, my sergeant uh, that that's in charge of our team. He he told me once, he's like, the Greenway kind of broke me. He's like, I had no idea because he has been a patrol sergeant for quite a few years. He's been with the sheriff's office as long as I have. Prior to that, he had worked in other agencies and stuff. So he's got a lot more experience than I do. But he's like, if you would have told me a year ago, six months ago, that I would be doing basically social services on the Greenway and I haven't made an arrest in months, I would have told you you're a crazy person. Like, get, get the heck out of here. No way. But it's a matter of compassion. It's a matter of you know, outside the box thinking, mm-hmm. problem solving, all of that. And it's, it's it really a gratifying situation for us to be able to say, you know, we're, we're making relationships with these folks. They're trusting the sheriff's office and local law enforcement more now than they ever have. And we have a long ways to go there, but we're making headway and we're actually helping some people. It's a pretty cool deal. And maybe what you guys are doing <laughs> is a glimpse into the future of what we're going to see overall with, hold on. <laughs> what, bud? You want to move your jump? Well, I don't know if you can move it by yourself, but you can try. Yeah, go ahead. Don't hit your mom's car with the dolly. Oh, yeah, don't do that. We we He had a little jump ramp out in the driveway, and he wanted to screw it together yesterday, so we screwed it together, but now he can't move it. Is he hitting that with his, with his bike? Oh, yeah. I'm getting some sweet air. Oh, yeah. Go ahead and move it if you want. If not, wait till we're done, then we'll move like it for you. like feet of air right there. Um, how you doing over there? Are you... Do you need a refill? I wouldn't mind it. All right. I'm not going to complain. Go Just to be clear, my wife's driving. Yeah. For those listening and concerned, I'm not going anywhere. You're here all day. It's nice and early to avoid the heat. It's a safety issue. It is. And if I'm going to have to clean the garage, here, let me uh, 
We do a little that uh, red there too. Oh yeah, man! Absolutely. Oh wait, did I hand you two? Uh, back to it. Sorry, I, was, <laughs> I meant to hand you this. So you okay, can, gotcha. I'll let you mix your own this time. Sounds good. For those listening at home, we're making red beverages. I'm not sure how much you did last time. About about an inch, but you can go a little more. You can do whatever you want. About red, about I was just guessing anyway. That turned out well. Yeah, had this stashed in the fridge for a while, so the uh, expiration date was. Late June, but I think we're good. It's been in the fridge. Oh, yeah. Well, and you know, um, getting some vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> yep, now he's moving the ramp. So, yeah, back to like, I, I never, never would have thought. I knew it was going to be different uh, working on the Greenway and working with transients and stuff like that. But um, it's, I don't want to say it's been great because the COVID stuff obviously is horrible. But, uh, the way it's taken my thinking and, and the way I approach things and and the opportunities it's given me just to problem solve and, mm-hmm. and do things like that, it's been awesome. Well, and what I was starting to point out before Preston decided he wanted to move his ramp was that uh, with all that's happening in the country right now, uh, all the talk about police departments and, oh, yeah. and brutality and all that stuff, I'm wondering if we don't see a shift of – dealing with situations more like how you guys are dealing with them. And I know you can't deal with every situation like that because there's some really bad people out there, but I just wonder if there won't be some kind of transition into a not softer, but just a different approach to policing in general because of what's happened. And I, and I don't know if that's possible because I'm not in that line of work, but some things it's hard. I have to be be a little careful. some situations you just can't handle that way. Some Is situations that you cannot say? handle that way. Okay. Exactly. Some situations are a matter of immediate public safety mm-hmm. or personal safety with the individual or the officer, or deputy, trooper, right? Um, and you know, do a lot of situations. Would a lot of situations be improved from some more social service sort of work on the back end of that? Sure. Or on the front end, maybe. I mean, it's. I have to be a little careful. Right. Right. Uh, you do. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I think that what we're doing on the Greenway is a great example of a scenario or a set of circumstances that the social services sort of thing, partnering with law enforcement in the way we have, um, can be a huge benefit to everyone. The community as a whole, the people that we're actually dealing with, like the transient population, for example. Um, But that is definitely not a good fit for, again, I'm not doing standard police work anymore, really, Mm -hmm. right? Standard police work it's much harder to integrate a lot of that yeah. kind of at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. Saying enough without not saying is it, too much. Is it refreshing to not have to deal with that kind of stuff on a daily basis? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a nice break. I, when I left standard patrol work, I wasn't, I wasn't in a bad place. You know, there's kind of guys go through highs and lows mm-hmm. and they get kind of disgruntled sometimes and other times they're really enjoying things. Um, and that's very normal in, in law enforcement. So when I left, um, I was glad the opportunity came up when it did, cause I was in a really good place. I was really enjoying just the grind of one call to the next, to the next, to the next and being buried in reports. And, you know, I, I was having a great time. And so when the opportunity came up, I thought, this is the good time. So I don't step out of standard patrol work because I need a break because I'm, you know, burnt out or whatever. Uh, it just happened to be that way. And so it is refreshing to do have these new challenges and do these new things. That's wonderful. 
But um, if they say, hey, you're done, you have to go back to patrol, I would be disappointed. But it wouldn't be like, oh, man, I have to go back to to this. Yeah, because you didn't leave in a bad place. Exactly, exactly. So the timing of everything worked out really well. We even had a guest appearance from the mailman. (laughs) (laughs) GarageTalkPodcast.com. Check it out, garagetalkpodcast.com. You'll hear the episode tonight. Or tomorrow, (laughs) depending on when I get to it. That's funny. Somebody was just saying something about the mail being delivered or packages being delivered on Sunday. uh, But usually it's for Amazon because they're contracted or whatever. But uh, Anyway. Where were we before the mailman decided to walk right in the garage? <laughs> Welcome to 2020. You should have given him a microphone. And, uh, yeah, asked headphones. him what he... Uh, he's probably on a tight schedule, although I will t- tell you that yesterday we were out here and um, the mailman came down the street and sometimes the FedEx guys or you know, some of these workers that are out in the field mm-hmm. and don't necessarily have a place to stop will go down to the cul-de-sac and... Oh yeah. Turn around I've and heard you I talk can about see this. Yeah. I can see their feet underneath their vehicle and that happened yesterday. And the best part was we were out here with a little pool, had it, you know, full of water and it was hot and we'd been trying to organize the garage, but he leaves, so we wave at him, right? And I took a picture of the mail truck with his feet like <laughs> and I'm like I haven't used it for anything yet. Um but then about an hour later he comes back and pulls in the driveway and he's gathering all the mail up and I said why are you back? You were here an hour ago. He goes, I didn't load this truck. I go, Oh, okay. So somebody loaded it, you know, it's in, all out of in, order in, or something. Exactly. Like that. So, so well, that wasn't very efficient, but, uh, gave him a hard time a little bit. And then he handed us our stuff and off he went, but he was cracking up and it was just funny that he was here and then gone and then back. So we'll see if we see this guy back in an hour. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. A little known, little probably considered fact about police work. You gotta find a place to go. Yeah. Interesting, right? When you got to go, you got to go. Yeah. You got to kind of time it too because it's like, hey. Well, and think about this. Um, I don't know how many people have thought about this. A lot of people have stayed home and and some people like me have gone back to work and I've been back for a while now. But one of the things you really don't think about is, okay, like my in-laws were going to drive to Southern California to go see an elderly uh, parent. And then they realized California shut down restaurants and stuff again. Oh, yeah. As far as going inside. And so they were trying to figure out Okay, so we're we're sixty mid sixties. We've got to hit the road. You got to probably go more often. Which, yeah, they're stopping like every fifteen minutes. Yeah, or something. and so they're trying to figure out. Okay, where are we going to stop? You know, are we going to stop at on the side of the road, or are we going to? You know, it gets interesting. Yeah, it complicates and, things. <laughs> which it, I don't blame them. I mean, I I don't mind going outside. So as far as going in the cul-de-sac, I mean, it'd be better if they went in the bushes. Yeah, but. You know, a little bit more discreet. Whatever. And uh, <laughs> then we just get the randoms that drive down here. And obviously, there's it's a dead-end street, and there's a cul-de-sac, and really no reason to be down here. So it's interesting when you get the randoms. But usually, they read my inappropriate signs and keep going. They're so. like, ooh, this is not the place yeah. to hang out. Yeah. <laughs> Preston, you doing all right? No, I'm not. Oh, he's mad because oh, I didn't man. help. Where do you want to move your ramp to? Come here. Where are you trying to move it to? Oh, you're not going to get this on every podcast. That's for sure. (laughs) But he's actually sitting in the driveway pouting because he wants to move his ramp. 
which I could actually take a break and move it for him real quick if he'd come tell me. Okay, last chance. If you want us to move it for you, where do you want it? I can go take a break. Come on. You're better Look at, at this conversation he, than me. <laughs> he's, Noah's using his uh, community relations skills to make sure that his ramp gets moved. <laughs> Noah's actually in my driveway right now trying to figure out where Preston wants his ramp for his bicycle. You got to tell him, bud. <laughs> I'll get a sip of my refreshment while we stare off into the uh, somewhat hazy skies of a Sunday morning. What is today? The 16th? Oh, it is. August 16th. I'm only 12 days away from 40. You're what now? 12 days away from 40. Oh, man. Big yeah. plans? Yeah. Sleeping in or something? No. We're going to... Uh, we're going to go to Sun River, actually. Oh, very nice. Yeah. So, socially distancing, of course. Kind Naturally. Of like you and I are here, at least six feet apart. Oh, absolutely. Or 4.5, whatever. Um, very concerned. Uh, anyway, so, um, yeah, it's been a wild time over these four or five months here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just kind of curious what that has been like, aside from the, you know, day-to-day life on the Greenway, what it's like to roll around with the badge during these crazy times. People are, you can tell it's wear on people, I think, you know, so summer, summer always is a, a increase for us. Call volume and the nature of calls and nicer outside. People are outside more, right? People are outside more recreating, more probably. recreating, more alcohol, all that stuff. Um, and then in addition to that, you know, August hits, the heat really turns up as we've seen the last week or so and people kind of get more cranky. It's all there is to it. And so I think it's all kind of been turned up to 11 with COVID stuff. You know, it's like, um, all of the kind of the numbers that you don't want to see go up, um, are, are going up suicide and domestic violence and all that stuff. So it's, uh, yeah, it's been interesting for sure. Yeah. We have COVID, we have politics and we oh, have, man. Uh, cause didn't you tell me, I'm trying to remember. It's been almost a year and I've forgotten more than I've remembered. But do you have a relative that is part of a police department in Portland? Or Yeah, my brother's a Portland police officer. And so how's that going for him right uh, now? He's, you know, Portland's struggling right now. In, is in he many, in the middle of ways. it? Yeah, he's a sergeant. And so he's in charge of a group of guys and he's in a kind of a different unit. He's not just a regular patrol anymore. Um, but it's affecting everyone. You know, mm-hmm. their staffing numbers are way down. They're having trouble hiring people. They're having trouble retaining people. And so, you know, he's got 20 years on. Yeah, he's got 20 years on. And so he's, you know, his sergeant, he's got 20 years on, so he's most concerned about his guys. And he's got all these young guys coming through and gals, of course, coming through. And I can't imagine working in an area like that and keeping your head up as a brand-new cop to say, you know, I'm super dedicated to this. I'm super excited about my new job. I've been through all the training. Everything's great. And, and try to keep your head up now. You know, we're very fortunate. And I think you and I have talked about this a couple of times, probably in the past, very fortunate to live and work down here. You know, we have the, the the public's critical of us in a positive way. I think, I think that's an important thing, Uh, kind of a checks and balance sort of thing. But also supportive, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah, no, not critical in some awful way. You know, they're critical of us, like, you know, keeping, I shouldn't say keeping us honest, but, you know, 
making sure that we're doing what they need, basically. Yeah, they're going to hold you accountable. Exactly. Like they're not afraid to say what they think. Exactly. And, and that's the beauty of this region, Southern Oregon in general, is they're not going to, they're not shy to tell us when we're screwing something up or when they think that we're screwing something up. A lot of times that's a communication issue. You know, we need to communicate better occasionally. Um, but overall, we're very, very well supported. You know, there's so much tumultuous stuff going on in, in areas like Portland, Seattle, and wherever else. Anytime that happens, and it happened, what, four years ago, give or take, um, we don't see that here for the most part. We get people, you know, baking cookies and dropping them off. And we get kids. Pizza. Yeah, pizza. And and, stuff, you know, but... kids making cards and sending it in. Like, we support you. Thanks for law enforcement stuff. And so super fortunate. Very, very blessed in that way. The guys working up in Portland and those sorts of areas. You know, I feel for them. It's it's a tough spot right now. Well, and especially when, and I know this can get to be a sticky situation, but or topic when they drop all the charges for the people causing issues, as we just heard late last week, right? Um, where a lot of people aren't going to be prosecuted right. for any of the stuff that they did, and uh, I'm sure it's got to be hard for those guys, no matter where you fall on any of the issues. Yeah, you know, no matter take what politics out yeah, of it. Exactly. Completely erase that. You have some people who decided to go down this road and be in this profession and some bad stuff has happened up there. Right. You know, no matter what the national media says, if you look hard enough, you can, you know, I know enough people who have either seen it with their own eyes or reported back to know that there's definitely been some bad things happen. There's also a lot of good people out too, mm-hmm. but those aren't the people that are causing the issues. Right. And so you have, Police officers in these situations, they're putting their life on the line. They're trying to do the best job they can. They're getting hit with bottles or whatever's happening. And then all of the charges just end up being dropped. I don't know how you, if I was them, I don't know how I would get up the next day and want to do it again. I I really don't. I mean, you're trying to do your job, but to know that you do your job and there's just nothing done. I, I don't know how you, I don't know how your mind comprehends that. Well, and from a kind of a to step back a little bit more and a larger look on it, you need every part of the system to do its job, to do its part. And the prosecution's a part of the system, you know. And so you can have cops going out, doing whatever, you know, great police work or doing their jobs, all that stuff. And if you don't have the prosecution and, and all the aspects of the system, the system's not going to work well. So without saying too much again, like I said, I got to be a little careful without weighing in on what, what they're deciding up there. It's safe to say if, if you basically subtract one part of that criminal justice system, then the whole system is not going to be as effective as it, as it should be. Yeah. And that's going to affect everyone. It's really interesting to look at it just from my perspective. And we were talking about it here last night and I'm, I don't want to say anything to, to back you into the corner. Definitely for sure. But just how, it appears as though there's a double standard and it's just very strange to watch this play out. No matter how you feel about it to know that all of this stuff has happened and it's just kind of, and the sad part for me, like me personally, and I'll say it and I have no problem saying it. Unfortunately, the message of what this situation started from has been completely lost in my opinion because of the bad apples. Or there are people out there who care and want to see change, like real change, like 
everyone treated fairly? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's safe to say that Absolutely. I'm one of those people that would like to see everyone, every single person, no matter your race, religion, creed, whatever, be treated equally. That's what I would like to see. There's a lot of people out there. But then you get the misfits involved, and it just turns into this giant thing that didn't, in my opinion, didn't even need to happen. And it's just, it's unfortunate. Because if we come all the way back around to your situation and how you guys are handling the current situation on the greenway mm-hmm. of what's helping in that situation. Communication. Absolutely. Right. Communication. And so you're communicating. You guys are trying to communicate with them. Hopefully they're open enough. They trust you at some point they communicate back. And in any situation, if you're communicating back and forth, usually it's going to end up being better. Yeah. Instead of people shouting at each other. Yeah. And not listening. And then it just goes sideways. And it's just, it, it's so sad to see. Well, think about just dealing with your kids. And we do the same thing in our house. Our two boys, uh, 7 11. And if they're having a little argument, kind of let them go. They'll get it figured out. But the second it becomes the communication stops, and now we're screaming at each other or worse, like, no, 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 stop. Stop yeah. what you're doing. We're not getting anywhere with this. And parents intervene and either settle it for them or tell them to take a break or whatever the case is. And so I think as soon as communication breaks down amongst adults or anyone else, then, you know, we're not getting anywhere productive for sure. Mm-hmm. And we're just kind of chasing our tails a bit, doing the same thing over and over. Yeah. It's an interesting experiment and I don't know what the answer is, but hopefully at some point it's like you see, you know, pendulum swing, you know, it's way over here and then way over here and kind of feels like it's never in the middle just kind of just barely swinging in the middle you know just right. kind of holding steady in that spot but maybe and, I, and my hope is that we get to that point where it's been so crazy where people say you know what this is we've got to come together somehow we gotta in the unfortunate part about all of this which i feel like i say on every single podcast episode is that the media trains us to go at each other social media trains us to go at each other because it, 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 you get a response out of that. There's more engagement when people are upset. And so this whole machine is set up to have us going at each other's throats. And it's just, it it, it just gasoline on the fire. Yes, absolutely. You know, showing the most inflammatory, whatever it happens to be uh, video or audio or Facebook posts or whatever. Uh, And, and I would say even as individuals, we need to be cognizant of what your Facebook post might do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, not to say you're going to cause a riot, but to say, are you being are you being helpful right now? Or are, are you the, are you the you problem the pot? or the solution? Are you being that jackass? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I probably shouldn't say that, but no, we've got the e checks. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> I'll leave that up to you. What you want to say? Or not. Okay. Are you being Are you being a jackass because you think it's funny? And you know, it's not like you can't. Of course, you can. Right. But. Are you being helpful right now or are you are you being that guy? One of the biggest problems I have, and I've actually, and this is where I'll be careful because one of the people I'm referring to has been in this garage. Um, I'm not going to say whether it was on or off of the podcast, but they were here. <laughs> and uh, I saw a Facebook post with them. I doubt they'll listen to this podcast, but if they do, I kind of hope they do because I'm going to say this specifically for them. Um, this person was at one of the rallies, you know, one of the, you know, peaceful marches. And they basically said, if you don't, if you aren't here to support this and you aren't with me, then you can fuck off. 
Wow. And I said that on purpose. Right. A, I have the E check so I can say whatever I want. You can do as you please, yeah. And I'm saying it to make a point. That this person, who is a very nice person most of the time, sure, said, if you don't agree with my point of view, get the F off my page. And I, it, I just kind of stepped back, and I really wanted to comment, but I don't comment on stuff like that right? for many reasons. A, I don't really want to get in the middle of it, and I, it never ends well. No. But it really got me thinking because... That's where we are, where we say, if you don't agree with my views, then we can't be friends, which I disagree with. Absolutely. Because I think that's where some of the best conversation comes from. If you can have a civil conversation with someone who doesn't agree with you, I mean, for me as a guy who wants to learn to be Mm open-minded, I want to talk to those people because I know how I feel. I know how I grew up, but I'm also not set in my ways. Whereas I don't, I can't listen to someone like Gemini who's African American sit in this garage and say, this is what's happened to me. This is how I feel. And I, my experience, I cannot, I I can't unwind that. Like I can't and to try and understand how people feel. It doesn't mean you have to feel that way yourself. You just understand where someone else is coming from. Absolutely. And again, that's why we sit here and have these kind of conversations. Cause I think it's important for people to, well, I would like to think that even if you and I disagree, I think we agree on quite a few topics, but even if we disagreed, I'd like to think we can sit here and, and talk and we oh, may absolutely. like don't have to agree, but we can sit and talk. Um, I met a guy in the dorms at SOU my freshman year. He's in, and so I came from small town, very rural Oregon. Right. Mm-hmm. I, Much like I did. Yeah. And so for me, it's like I got everything. The world figured out in my freshman year of college. Like I'm walking into the dorms. I'm like everyone, there's no reason you don't have a job working on a farm, moving irrigation or building fence, right? Mm-hmm. And that's how everyone should be no matter what. And I day one in the dorms, like, oh, my God. There's much more to the world than Turner, Oregon. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, so this dude's named Byron. He and I are still buddies. I can't imagine he'll stumble upon the podcast. Maybe he will. Um met him freshman year he's from the east coast and 100 percent opposite views from me right and we would get in huge arguments good fun loving sort of arguments and i was the the, the dirty redneck and he was the the hippie right and but we're still buddies now and every now and then he'll te- text me or call me and vice versa i'm like hey dude hey because he lives in new hampshire now and he works in an office building and one of the floors is rented out by um, a company that's very pro gun stuff. And they, they were encouraging or allowing open carry on the floor of their office building. He's like, Hey, is this a thing? Like, yeah. People a, open carrying. Yeah. And like people, people do that. And I didn't know, but apparently New Hampshire's a, a very second amendment type of state. And I had no idea. And, uh, neither did I. He was like, he's like terrified. But he knows that I know some stuff about this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And so he calls me and he knows we're probably not going to agree, but we're both intelligent people and neither of us are going to make it personal. Like, Hey, you suck because you disagree. And once every couple of years now, since 2020 or excuse me, 2000, 2001, um, every couple of years we end up talking about something because we're going to disagree. You know, reach out to each other because we're going to disagree, because we respect each other enough to have that conversation. And it's like, hey, how you been? How's the family? Sort of thing. Hey, I got a question for you. What in the hell is going on with this topic? Mm. Oh, well, here's my spin on it, you know? And I think that's that's very good. And I think that's something that 
yeah, that's a unique situation for me because law enforcement's all like-minded-ish. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's great to have a guy that, you know, he's he's the go-to-the-rally sort of guy, you know? Yeah. Um, and be able to chat with him. And that's kind of, I think, to your point of you should reach out and seek those conversations with the people you know you're not going to agree with but they can remain productive. Yeah. That's how it's going to get better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that way for sure. I don't know. Somehow we ended up in this weird spot though, where we haven't, we don't do that as much anymore. And, and I really feel it's, it's because of a lot of what we talked about, you know, because of social media, how it's designed, Mm -hmm. what the news media shoves down your throat. But when you're able to step back from it, Mm -hmm. actually get away from it. And I know that's one of the things that with this whole COVID situation and us being here, not watching much TV, and really, in the past couple of days, uh, especially yesterday, I had to go to the appliance store twice. Um, I went to the bottle drop twice, <clears throat> staying just below the limit. <laughs> of, <laughs> course, of course, of <laughs> course. Um, I had to go to the home improvement store. Um, and last weekend I did. I was working on the loft out in the coop for the kids. And it's amazing. I feel like people are friendlier. I feel like... They went that for the most part, aside from the Karens, sorry to all the Karens out there, <laughs> aside from the Karens that are out there. Um, I really feel like, especially around here, I've made a point to tell people, thank you. I would do that anyway, but like more so now, mm-hmm. as far as like, you know, have a great afternoon, appreciate you, whatever, even at the bottle drop. And it's come back to me every single time. And, and I don't know if it's always been that way and I haven't looked for it as much, but I feel like at least here people are trying to be understanding and, right. and trying to be a little bit more positive. Well, I think and this, this may, this is just a wild statement. Maybe it's not accurate at all. I think maybe Southern Oregon people are trying to really truly be Southern Oregon people. You know what I mean? We're, we are people that take care of each other. We're are the ones that, you know, there's the Biden and Trump flags flying off of trucks and, and, Maybe people are just trying to do the best they can and and make the best of it out of themselves as they can. Remember, after nine eleven, everyone was on the same page. Mm-hmm. Agree or disagree, who cares? We're all American. We're all here to help each other. And unfortunately, COVID did not do that to us in a lot of areas. But maybe maybe locally, it did. Yeah. Well, and that's where I've said to people in private, and may have mentioned it on here before, is is you know with the flag, there's feelings on you know both ways you know sure people that will fly that thing as high as they can get it awesome there's people who don't believe in it that's your opinion um but i know i've said to people the people are what makes america great mm-hmm. and i'm not saying that statement make america great for any other reason okay <laughs> just happens let to me be. be clear <laughs> um but it's the people that are resilient, right? It's the people that built the country. Like, is the government, and again, this is my own personal feelings, did, did they make it all happen? Careful, bud. Hey. Not necessarily. Like, Gunner, Gunner's in the truck, I think. Well, he can get out if he wants. I know your wife's back to get you. We're not quite to an hour yet, so she's going to have to wait a few I, more minutes. I think she's fine. Misty, we're going for three hours on this one. Just kidding. Full Joe Rogan. <laughs> we got a little Shout while longer. Joe. A little bit. Um. Uh, Goes you can hang out. As, you can go pick blackberries if you want. You want a bucket? Oh, you need to get more than that. There's a ton of them over there. Oh, you, they're, I mean, they're literally from down there all the way to here. So help yourself. If you want a bucket, we can get you one. You should. A Garage Talk podcast. 
Solo cup? Oh, yeah. No, you need more than that. Preston. Guns can hang out, too. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, you took him home? Oh, okay. Did you just lock him in a room or what? <laughs> yeah, the dogs watch him. Okay. That's not true. Well, That's if you want a bowl or something, just Preston, go around to the other door and get a bowl. No, I know you're fine, but these blackberries are all going to go to waste and somebody needs them. And I, the strangers, I try and chew off, but you know. <laughs> get out of here. Um, like, go pick some blackberries, bud. The girls will. The girls love to pick them. Yeah, we're spoiled. I told them, though, I said, we need to go up to Glendale. We need to go down the creek mm-hmm. where they get water. And that's where you get the big, the big blackberries. Ones, yeah. So the kids have already made, what, two cobblers? They have a. Uh, blackberry cheesecake in there. They've got a whole another container full. They've really been getting it after getting after it this. Growing year. up, uh, they're outside of Saint Little Ways. Um, yeah, same thing. Lots, lot more rain and stuff, and big monster blackberries. Really sweet, like so. the end of your thumb. Big. Yeah, yeah. So the flag thing, hundred percent all for the American flag, right? Absolutely. That said, doesn't make. There's a John Prine song. About if you the, the the your flag decal won't get that won't get you into heaven anymore. You heard uh, this song, right? No, I don't think like, so. It's a great song, and it's it's I think it's slanted a bit Vietnam War ish because my guess is that was the time. Um, but you gotta you still gotta be a good person. Fly the flag, one hundred percent. I'm with you, absolutely. You still gotta be a good person. You yeah. still gotta go out there and do good things and you know take care of each other. And if you're making a statement by flying the flag, great, make a statement, go nuts. Mm-hmm. still be a good person still yeah. go do good things in your community or whatever you can do take good care of your family at least you know what i mean yeah and it's okay for you to think and and this is the way i feel like maybe it's the uh second red beer that i'm on here at coors light <laughs> but uh, it's getting me brave enough to say it but like i know i've done enough research to know our government's done some shady things sure there's no doubt about that like if you're if you really do your own research and you pay attention yeah there's been some Things happen that, that probably shouldn't have happened, but it doesn't mean we can't be great Americans or great people, and we happen to be Americans. You know Exactly. That's, that's it. Is that, and uh, if you're not proud of the country now, or if you weren't proud of the country four years ago and you are now, whatever, vote and do your thing. Yeah. Fly and to flag me, or don't, but be a good person. And those people are going to be in office, and I'm not talking about the president, no matter who that is, but the government, like those people are in there forever. It's us that makes the world go around on a daily basis, right? Absolutely. Like, it takes everyone to make it work. And that's, to me, what I consider, like, when I think of it, I think of, like, Americans. That's what I think of, like, the people who, the neighbor who's who calls and says, oh, God, this COVID thing's really ramping up. Like, do you guys need anything? Like, exactly. that, that's what, what exactly. I see, you know, when I think of it. That, that was a hell of an experience for you. Jeez. That was weird. I bet. It's weird to look at now, though, because I feel better about it now. And I know someone who just lost someone. The first kind of acquaintance that lost someone to COVID. Um, so that makes it more real. Yeah. Right? Not that I didn't think it was real before. Sure, because at the beginning, sure. we locked down. Like People would drop stuff off or want to drop stuff off. No, you guys hey, got hardcore about it. I'm yeah, not, we, 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 we would just... let them drop stuff off or we would let them drop stuff off. We'd leave it out there for a day or two and then wipe it down. I mean, we, we didn't know. Yeah. You know, and with the pregnant wife and then. Brand new baby. And... Yeah, and then we had the new baby and going to the hospital and that all worked out as perfectly as it could have. And now mm-hmm. she's four months old and she's out here in the walker earlier this morning. It's crazy to see how much time has gone on. Or gone by and um it all worked out fine and i was super freaked out about it and you know we were just worried more than anything 
And so to see it now and kind of back, I, I remember when my grandma dropped off the, the kit with the scissors and the blankets, the, all her the, surgical stuff. Oh, snap kit. Yeah. Like if you have to do it at yeah. home, here it is. Jeez. And I remember how like I got emotional and she, I didn't, I couldn't hug her cause she's 81. And like, oh so God. it was like all that stuff. And I think back to it now, I'm like, God, that was just a couple months ago. Yeah. I feel better about it now. It could still happen, right? Sure. To anyone at any Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Luckily, we've done a pretty good job here. And, um, you know, I'm comfortable enough now where I've had a few people over. Like you, if you're okay to come over, we'll keep our distance. You know, I'm not, you know. Yeah. We're not spitting in each other's faces or, you know, <laughs> anything like that. But, um, yeah, it's just so interesting to think back and, and all the stuff that happened or didn't happen. And for us, though, it's been... I can't say that it's been bad financially. There were some rough spots yeah. and we rode through it. You know, when you work in advertising and oh, places yeah. are closed, yeah. like that's what a lot of people don't know. Like my real job is advertising. When I do a radio show. That's a fraction of what I actually make. Right. Cause I'm in sales. Right. And I handle a lot of no our big accounts, at the radio no station buying advertising when the they're radio closed, yeah. you know, when your orthodontist is closed mm-hmm. and, all of these places are closed. Well, guess what? You just made 35% of what you made the month before. Whew. And it's all of a sudden, holy shit. Like we're, we're pretty frugal, but the money can go away in a hurry. I'll tell you what we, so, and we talked about this a tiny bit last time I was on, but, um, in the last four or five years, we've really got into home gardening. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we Boy, started, weren't you ahead of the curve. Yeah. And that's the thing is like last summer we spent, just our goal last summer was to can enough tomato products to get us through the entire year. So like stew tomatoes, tomato sauce, uh, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause we don't have much space. We live in town. It's not like, you know, we have this massive garden and we almost made it. We made it like we were like two months away. We almost had it. So this year I think we will plan on more tomatoes and stuff. But anyways, when COVID hit, it was, a, it was just like, we started talking to each other. Misty and I was like, man, we better, we better figure this stuff out now. And so we started, you know, sprouting seeds inside. We'd never done that before. We never mm. needed to. It's hot as hell out here. You know, right. we don't have to do that, but we started doing all that quick. We started buying seeds, not hoarding, but you know, like we better make sure we can get our seeds. And we were, turned out to be right. Oh yeah. Because there you was couldn't big, get anything. Nope. Right. And like the seed catalogs, those companies closed down. They mm-hmm. couldn't operate in, anymore for the, for the lockdown stuff. And so it really it, it hit home huge for us. And our daughter's 17, and I remember talking to her when everything was ramping up, and she was getting nervous. I mean, she's on social media. She's got a 17-year-old friend. She's got a job that she gets outside influence, and so she's getting nervous. And I told her, you know, your, your kids someday are probably going to ask you, hey, what, what, what was the COVID thing like? What was that? What's up with that? And she's like, my kids? Like, oh, like 20 years from now, your kids. Like, not anytime <laughs> soon. Please, not tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, not now. Wait till I get close to retirement at least. But uh, she's like, oh, this is like historic stuff. Like, this is massive. This is not something that a few years from now mm. we'll talk, hey, remember COVID? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. No, this is huge. The things that are being done to families and people and the economy and everything mm. else, this is massive stuff. This is, you know, when Kennedy was shot, Challenger exploded, 9-11, COVID. You know, it's going to be that sort of deal. And our young kids, you have young kids in IO2, and, uh, you know, they're living different now than they would have without, I mean, their, their life is changing and obviously we're doing the best we can for all of them, but it's, it's a big deal, you know? Yeah. And I was talking to one of the kids teachers yesterday, thanks to a Facebook marketplace transaction, <laughs> um, 
but just about how these kids have to deal with this. And we don't really understand what they're thinking. And luckily for us, we have space. That's one of the things I was talking to her about yesterday because we have two and a half acres and our kids can come outside and run around. Those families that lived in apartments and didn't really have a lot of options. I mean, yeah, you go walk down the sidewalk or whatever, but mine could go out and play on a play structure. They can go run around in the field, ride their bikes up and down the road, whatever. And you just think about people confined to small areas and uh, how they're processing it all. It's a, it's, Again, I keep saying experiment, but it'll be interesting to see what the effects of the experiment, both positive and negative, because what started this part of the conversation anyway was me saying that I think it's been an overall positive for us because of remembering what's important or the most important and some of those things that I probably neglected over years of working Mm -hmm. like an idiot, you know, and deciding that, okay, maybe, maybe it's a good idea to get home by this time or attempt to right. instead of working from five thirty to five and, you know, grind, 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 Absolutely. which I still work hard, but also find time to spend with them because I spent more time with my kids during all this than I ever have got oh, to yeah. know them better than I ever have. We planted more than we ever have. And so some of those things that we learned through all this are, can actually benefit us whether or not this is going on at all like you guys. And I met someone else who has canned so many, so much like they have like enough to last a long time. And her husband had always made fun of her that she bought like 300 cases of Mason jars. Yeah. You don't look crazy now. Nope. She goes, we had enough food. She goes, other than what'd she say? Eggs and milk, everything else, soups, Mm -hmm. uh, stews, uh, tomatoes, peaches, peppers, I mean, meals, you name it, they had it canned and ready to go. And uh, it, it just shows you what we can do, what maybe we should be doing yeah, on the regular instead of relying on others. Absolutely, because when the lockdown hit, um, just like everyone else, we're like, oh, man, toilet paper might become an issue. Like, because that was, a for some reason, right. a, a topic, right? Because the paper company probably floated a story or something, which I'm speculating. I don't know that. Yeah, but I'm like, that was, was smart some, on their part. Like, yeah. all it would take is one story of saying, yeah, there's a toilet paper shortage and everybody Boom, buys shelves it. empty. Yeah. Yeah. But so we, we talked, you know, toilet paper, paper towels, we'll figure it out. We got to figure something out. But food-wise, we had put enough meat away, um, you know, various kinds, right? Mm-hmm. And then vegetable wise, we had some growing, we had, uh, our kale and spinach and stuff like that grew all winter long through the snow and everything else. So we're like, we're good there. I mean, it's going to suck if we're eating kale and spinach every day, like Popeye, but yeah, if you need to, <laughs> at least you'll be healthy. Right. And then we got the garden in. And so food wise, we were very fortunate. We didn't have to stress at all. Just the toilet paper topic. I mean, yeah. Goodness gracious. But, um, and even we, then there's a way around that. If yeah. There, there, mean, there's a fix there if you're willing. Right. And so the garden was just huge for us. I mean, it was always something we enjoyed doing the last handful of years that we've, we've done it. And it's just a great hobby for us. And it's great for the kids to learn this stuff. But with the pandemic, it was like, this is kind of, I guess not preppers by any means, but this is the real reason we've always wanted to be able to do this, we're experiencing it to some degree, at least now, and it's been fantastic. Self-sustaining. I mean, there's something yeah. really refreshing about that. And I know for us, we planted more kind of by accident. Someone happened to have some extra starts and I'm like, well, I'm going to, you know, the neighbor planted 30 or 40 big trees. And so we have the big black barrels that they come oh, yeah. in and I'm like, Hey, give those to me. If you, if you don't mind, if you're going to throw them away and that's what I planted mine in. But I was talking to my wife about this yesterday because we have the space 
what do you think about greenhouses? Like, she's like, I don't know anything about them. I said, neither do I. But what if you built one and like, would it make sense to build a greenhouse? Do you think? No, I think, I think it's kind of like a gardening. You need to start off like gardening 101, especially living here. Yeah. You know, it gets so warm so quick that you can start some stuff on the windowsill in the kitchen, right? Mm -hmm. Stuff that will help you. Um, starting early, but it's so warm here. We have good water here. So just growing right in the ground. And then at some point it'll hit you like, Oh, greenhouse makes sense. Yeah. Um, you, we, we buy these little, cause we all do all raised beds, mm-hmm. these little arches that they just stand about, I don't know, three or so feet tall and little, uh, wire frame to them and plastic, clear plastic over the top. And so we'll use that over our tomatoes so we can keep growing tomatoes through the first couple of frosts until it freezes real hard. Mm -hmm. And so that's a good move for us. That's helpful. So Um, do you cover them up and then uncover them or do they grow underneath there? They grow acting as like a mini greenhouse, like a mini greenhouse. They're open on either end so they don't get too hot and you would not want to do it this time of year because it's way too hot to begin with. So you don't want to intensify that. But so for us, that's a better move than again, because we're limited on space. Uh, than than dedicating too much to a greenhouse because spring's not so much our issue. We could we want to extend into the fall as gotcha. far as we can. See, this is where I need to be educated. There you go. <laughs> and we we figured it out through screwing up a lot. You know. Well, I think what I need to do is I have a friend uh, Misty who used to work over at Cartwrights and she works for U.S. Foods now, okay. which was Food Services of America. And she was the one that was the big time canner that bought all the cases mm-hmm. of, of uh, mason jars. And I told her, I'm like, I think that would make an interesting podcast. I think we should do one where we just talk about like the do's and don'ts of oh, growing yeah. and canning. And uh, maybe we can circle back around on that. Cause I have so much room. And my dad, he said, Oh, I got a three point uh, rototiller for a tractor. I have the tractor. I'm like, Perfect. you need to bring me your rototiller. And next year, what I really want to do is put up a fence of some kind, you know, obviously the deer are an issue. So it needs to be tall enough, but I wanted, I want a dedicated space. Cause as a kid, that's what we had. Yeah. We had a huge garden Same here. and they'd take the tiller with the, you know, and it, uh, at the time it was on a John Deere lawnmower, but they'd throw the tiller on there and till it up. We had apple trees in the middle and we'd have corn, raspberries, tomatoes. I mean, you name it, it was out there. And, uh, I mean, with the, with this much space, I feel like I should have we- a nice, robust garden there's no reason not to other than it's a heck of a lot of time in the first couple of years you're going to sink a ton of money into it probably mm-hmm. because you know fencing is expensive and all that stuff uh we've actually been talking about doing just like a tiny youtube channel because we have family and friends from all over the, the outside of the area they're like hey what do you guys do about this and the pandemic hit them hard and so they're calling us saying hey you guys have been gardening for years how do we do this like well so it wouldn't even be a public necessarily for the world to, to consume because that'd be weird, but just maybe like, not though. Maybe you'd be the next influencer. Yeah. You never know. Never know. <laughs> just, uh, some, but you know, Misty and I in the garden with some, some red beers and yeah, why and, not? Right. Yeah. It's, it's definitely something I'm going to expand on for next year. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do more gardening for next year, but also be able to, what I want to figure out. Cause I go out there every night with the hose and I stand there and one by one water them. And they say the key is to get the timer set up and so mm-hmm. the drip and all that. And if I was able to do that, then I could have quite the operation going. We we don't do a timer. We we water it all by hand. Really? And we do everything vertical. So I'll send you some pictures of our garden and come by and take a look or whatever. Yeah. Um, 
because again, we're just city lot, not not some massive space. So we grow everything vertical that we possibly can, and at least once a day. In a day like this, it's supposedly going to be really hot, and we'll maybe water twice. Oh, really? But the, the thing is, some things we used to set a sprinkler, and our tomatoes get all screwed up. You, tomatoes don't want to be you're not supposed sprayed. to spray them, right? So you water them down below, and so you know it's kind of a pain sometimes, especially when it's hot. You go out with the hose and water everything, and that's one of my favorite times actually is just standing out there with the hose at nine o'clock at night that's what it turns out to be a little light out there and and i tell you 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 know you spend a day at work dealing with work stress no matter what job you do there's work stress yep and you come home and you got some time in the garden to relax and and uh and you know water and and then you know you start seeing things you can pick Mm -hmm. holy cow this is the whole thing is great experience the kids love it yep and the kids whether they realize it or not are learning how to grow food take care of yourself you know we do dehydrating we do canning uh and then we freeze a lot of stuff some stuff just works better freezing yeah and uh you know they're learning all of it whether they realize it or not yesterday i had my first big tomato Mm -hmm. so i have romas out there i have Whatever the big one, I can't remember what what uh, what the big tomatoes are, but uh, cherry tomatoes, pear tomatoes, and so yesterday we had some leftover chicken. And I sliced it really thin, mm-hmm. put on some sourdough, cut my whole tomato up on the sandwich, and That's some fantastic. mayonnaise and mustard. I was like, oh my gosh, there's nothing better. This tomato tastes so good, it's and it nothing. wasn't even the best tomato I've ever had. It just was, it was ripe enough. Mm-hmm. It was flavorful. It wasn't the prettiest tomato, but man, it was like, I, it just had so much flavor to it. It's, it's amazing how, how good things taste when, when you're, you grow it. You, you put in the effort, and you know, it might sound crazy, but honestly, everything tastes better. It really does. You know? There's um, a few reasons for that, too. I mean, oh obviously, yeah, no legitimate with, things. with the supply chain in America, they have to grow stuff ahead of time. You know, they grow so it. flash frozen they, and all that yeah, stuff. They yeah, they pull it before it's ready, and then it has yada, yada. You know, yeah. we could, that's a whole other podcast, but... Um, yeah, there's nothing like pulling it off of there. And then it's like my blueberry plants, they're stripped. And I thought, man, when I bought it, there was some on there already. The rain. Oh, it is raining again. Man, today did not turn out how it was supposed to at it's all. Awesome. And I'm totally okay with it. Yeah, absolutely. It is ironic that it rained both times you were here in the garage. There must be some. So when we need rain, we'll do a podcast. I washed my pickup last week, and then Noah <laughs> comes over. It will guarantee <laughs> rain. Um, but. Uh, where the hell was I going with that? Uh, oh, the blueberry. Because, well, one, I found gum close to my cherry tomato plant, which meant he, the four-year-old, oh. took the gum out of his mouth and threw it on the <laughs> ground started eating my tomatoes. But the blueberry plant, ever since I bought it, I bought it with blueberries on there, planted it. It took off. We picked a bunch off. But the second wave of blueberries has never really come oh. because he's out. Th- oh, it's coming. But they're so small, and he sees purple, and he's out there chomp, chomp, chomp. like, jeez. No wonder I'm, I'm monitoring it closely, and I'm wondering why it's not growing. It's growing. No, it's doing just fine. I just yeah. don't get to see the berries removed. It's like you, you either have a four-year-old, or you have birds. Probably a four-year-old. And there is a lot of birds, and they eat the. See, there they go, right there. There goes some right there. Yep. They'll eat the uh, blackberries across the way, and then crap on my truck. At oh my yeah, house. blackberry all over your truck. But uh, man, we're at one nineteen. It's raining. It's awesome. Smells and, great. Uh, I'm glad we talked about the gardening though, because there's a lot to be learned there. We have a lot to learn still. I know you're you guys are big into it. I mentioned Misty, and I think, yeah, we definitely want to do more for next year. And yeah, and especially with this whole COVID thing and having more time at home. Absolutely. That you make time to do some of those things that you, maybe you wouldn't have done before. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. So and, like, and you kind of prioritize things a bit differently. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're not experts by any means, but we're well ha- happy to help out wherever we can. And, and uh, between the growing part or the preserving part, yeah. absolutely. Mister, are you going to be on our, our canning growing podcast that we do next time? Yeah. Okay. We're going to have to do that. I think, yeah, that'll be fun. <sighs> Girls, are you ready for me to be done in the garage? Yeah. Oh, they're over. I don't know what Preston is. It's so weird that it's raining. I know. It's still supposed to get hot today. You guys didn't get very many blackberries. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Did you help, girls? Did you help pick some? Oh, okay. Oh, you're just eating? Wait till it all catches up to you. <laughs> well, I guess we can wrap it up, huh? I know there's a million other things we can talk about, but clearly the kids want us to be done, so. <laughs> Preston has a new BFF. That's funny. I like his little Romeos. They are trashed. <laughs> he needs an endorsement. He needs to be the face of Romeos. That's funny. The front, he got those for Christmas, which was how many months ago? Eight? Yeah. Yeah. The front is split apart, oh, completely worn off. I mean, he wears them on. every day. Every day. <laughs> like mine are laying over there. My very first pair over there, I still have them, and they're pretty worn out, yeah. especially on the inside, but not like those. Oh, hey, you'll be proud of me. Random footwear talk. I'm a grown up now flops for the first time ever really yeah that's your first pair first pair ever oh is it amazing or what it changed my life like amazing what's funny is that the pair i'm wearing right now so these are a uh, shout out to flow hose they're not paying me to talk about them but my best man uh, he was the best man in my wedding i was not the best man in his wedding not sure Oof. why but Oof. um Oof. he bought us flip-flops for his wedding and we wore brown suits with these brown flip-flops All right. and at first i'm like i don't really want brown flip-flops but they were the most amazing flip-flops ever like they're so comfortable and i was getting out of the rv i think before the willamette country music festival i was packing it up and i stepped and ripped it out oh no and i thought man if they don't make that same flip-flop i'm gonna be pissed because yeah. i want another so i found another pair and this is the second pair, but I noticed yesterday starting to give out a little it, bit. It's ready because I've tripped a few times. Just you know, you yeah. drag flip flops, but red beers. This is yeah, exactly or IPAs. <laughs> but it's about ready. so I need to order another pair. But these things are amazing. So I we were talking about you know how much of a pain it is to get home from work, change out a uniform, and then I would always put tennis shoes on. Yeah, because that's what I have never had flops. My sergeant's like, nah, nah. He's like, you should not wear anything other than flops and work boots. Period. Wow. I'm like, well, okay, but I've, I've, I've bought the Walmart or the gas station specials because I'm at the beach. I'm like, oh, I need, need something. Uh-huh. He's like, well, that's your problem. You got to get so, the good ones. Yeah, he's like, reflops, get them. Yeah. So Amazon that day changed my life. Random, random bit of info. No, I'm me. glad you brought that up because there's nothing like flip-flops. And actually, early COVID, I was wearing tennis shoes because, well, no shoes, first of all. Morning show, no shoes, oh, shorts, yeah. t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. But then I'd take sales calls for my other job. And I'd come out here and put my earbuds in with my phone, and I'd walk laps while I was talking yeah. on the phone, trying to keep myself in shape, decent shape. Um, but then that kind of went away, and uh, summer hit, and I got the flop. So have you experienced flip-flop heel yet from yeah. wearing them too much? Yeah, not pleasant. The not, not, not pretty, yeah. we'll say. Not pretty. You have to get the petty grinder so you can go outside and grind off the dead skin. <laughs> this is where the garage talk gets real. Everyone's turning off right now. Like, oh, no. man. They know what we're talking about. That's, it's funny because it's true. Everyone knows. But, yeah, uh, I've not got there yet. I'm thinking, I'm sure that'll, that'll happen. Because yeah. I was telling Misty, like, I might wear these year-round. 
I'm, oh, I'm, there's nothing I wear shorts in the snow. Yeah. Like, why don't I wear flops in the snow? She's like, that's ah, not going to work. Yeah. It might be difficult in the snow, but other times like I'll wear them around the house inside outside. I always have them by the door. Yeah. So that they're there and ready to go. If I need to go outside. Well, and Misty's not aware of this yet, but I might need to have like 10 pairs of these flops strategically placed everywhere. Right. A pair in the truck. Oh, the other day I was looking for mine. I couldn't find them. I put them somewhere. I don't even remember where they were, but I was looking around forever. I'm like, where did I put my flops? And then they were right where I left them, of course, but it was in a spot right. where I wouldn't normally leave them. But that's a good point. I think we need to get a couple more pairs as soon as this podcast's over. Absolutely. Look, the girls even have theirs on. Absolutely. Yeah. Rocking the flops. All right. Well, there it is. Episode 39. We'll wrap it up or we'll talk your guys' ear off all day long. And uh, the in-laws should be here soon. So they're bringing my oldest from California. Oh, nice. She was there to hang out for a few days. So uh, there it is. Episode 39. Now I have to remember Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, GarageTalkPodcast.com. And uh, no Strohmeyer. Thanks for coming over. Thanks buddy. for having Appreciate me. it. It's a fun time. And uh, it's not quite the year anniversary of our first podcast, but it won't be the last. And uh, it's been a pleasure. And keep up the great work on the Greenway. And, Absolutely. And uh, you're always welcome anytime. Thanks.